We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. What is it exactly you do for a living? John Dillon here. I'm That's a serious thing to say to a girl you just met. Uh, baseball, movies, good clothes, fast cars. And you. What else you need to know? Today. I am declaring the United States of America's first war on crime. Your task will be to get John Dillinger. Are you up to that task, Agent Purvis? Absolutely, sir. And we are pursuing harder killers. Play a game, Mr. President. It's called spin the dial. That's your money, mister? Yes. Wherever the bank's money, not sure. Put it away. Now the whole country thinks you're a damn hero. We're robbing banks to get tougher. We're having too good a time today. We ain't thinking about tomorrow. Yeah, well, you ought to. Put some clothes on, miss. They're extra guiding you. Where to? Indiana. Why? I have absolutely nothing I want to do in Indiana. <laughs> How long did it take you to go through a bank? About one minute, 40 seconds. Flat. <laughs> well, here's a man who killed pretty boy Floppy. The only way that you would leave a jail cell is when we take you out to execute you. Well, we'll see about that. John Dillinger has given us a second chance to get John Dillinger. He can be anywhere. Where are you going? Anywhere I'm on. We're too good for him. They ain't tough enough, smart enough, or fast enough. I hit any bank I want anytime. They got to be at every bank all the time. Welcome to the pod, it's Film Club time, and today it's Public Enemies. Joining me again is Tim Hewitt. Coming up day after tomorrow, Bonnie and Clyde in a crime movie double bill. Next month's Film Club is Schindler's List, Roger Morehouse joins. But until then, I'm going to hand you over to Tim and I talking Public Enemies. The Michael Mann movie starring Johnny Depp, Christian Bale and Marion Cotillard. Tim, welcome. So, welcome back. You Thank are, you so much. You're returning because you were actually substituted. I was, yes. Episode. Yeah. But I'm glad you found a replacement. Yes, a very good replacement. <laughs> a suitable. And for listeners, before you all think, oh my God, we're back to the boring old <laughs> partnership, 
And next month, we will all three of us, Roger Morehouse, who was, was on for Conspiracy, will be joining Tim and I to talk Schindler's List. So I'm afraid we will be delving back into that horrific subject of the Holocaust next month in March. But I think very apt that we do, given the rise of anti-Semitism that we've been seeing in the last few months. So um, uh, that's certainly what we should be doing. But today, let's move on to today. Today, we've got a bit of a crime double bill. So this episode is on Public Enemies, the Michael Mann film. And then a day after tomorrow, it will be Bonnie and Clyde. So it'll be a double bill. And these are the February Film Club. We're doing a double bill because we're very generous. And these two go very well together. And in actual fact, the first film that we're discussing, Public Enemies, Michael Mann, that is, Tim, that is based on a book Mm. that actually includes Bonnie and Clyde, but they chose not to use the Bonnie and Clyde storyline in Public Enemies, in the film Public Enemies, which is basically the story of John Dillinger. Not to uh, be confused with Public Enemy with James Cagney. No. It was made a long time ago. Re- exactly. Yes, this is in colour, made in 2009. And as you say, Michael Mann. So it's, you know, he's known for, well, his probably most I don't know if it's most famous, but Heat, big heist movie. Yeah, that's kind of everyone's favourite cult classic Michael Mann film. I differ slightly. Uh, I know this is sacrilege to people in the film industry, but my personal favourite Michael Mann film is, in fact, a film called, which I think I I will plug to be on this podcast, is The Insider with Al Pacino and Russell Crowe about the whistleblower in the tobacco industry which I think is phenomenal. Yeah, that's uh, with he, Russell Crowe as well. Right, Russell Crowe, uh, Michael Mann, Christopher Plummer. And Michael Mann's made actually quite a few. He made he made the first Hannibal Lecter film. With Brian Cox. Yes, with Brian Cox. Manhunter, I think it is. Man yes, Manhunter, who plays Hannibal Lecter. And he, he co-created uh, Miami Vice. Last uh, of the Mohicans. He directed Mark Last of the Mohicans, and then he directed... The film Miami Vice, which is a bit underrated, I think, it's actually quite it's good excellent. in my opinion. Yeah, it's really good. Um, <laughs> and he did he did this Public Enemies, obviously, and he did a great film, I think, with Tom Cruise called Collateral. That is very good. A great film. I think it's really good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think Tom Cruise is very good in it. He's t- cast against type, playing the bad guy. Yeah. Um, and I think he's really convincing, and I think it's a really good film. It's visually really really nice. Um, I think he's got a couple of other movies of his. He made Ali. Yeah, uh, with Will Smith. He was very good, actually, in that film. Yeah. But I I didn't think the film was great, like some of his other films. And actually, I don't... I think it's impossible for Will Smith to portray someone so just charismatic. He's like, there's no one more charismatic than Muhammad Ali. Mm. (laughs) So Will Smith, I'm afraid... Just yeah. Well, now, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Know, now, post post a certain slap, he's post definitely not that charismatic. <laughs> no, no, no. He's he's put on a bit of weight as well. It's it's all a bit depressing. Anyway, let, let's get on with Public Enemies. Now, this is yeah. starring Johnny Depp as John Dillinger, the mm-hmm. notorious bank robber. And Christian Bale as Melvin Purvis, the guy on his tail. 
So this is sort of A-list casting. Yeah. yeah. And, and um, then Billy Freshette is played by Marion Cotillard. She's the love interest mm-hmm. of, of, of Dillinger. And this is a true story, of course. Otherwise, it wouldn't be on the uh, Aspects of History podcast. Yeah. And this is all about... So just for listeners sake this is just setting the scene this is this is the 90 early 1930s and we've had the wall street crash which then brought on the great depression and so there was a huge amount of poverty throughout the united states and so these bank robbers such as john dillinger babyface nelson pretty boy floyd and bonnie and clyde they all kind of epitomized i guess they became very popular or at least caught the public imagination and so because they were obviously sticking it to the man i suppose they were i think dillinger was presented as some kind of um robin hood figure in that he stole from the rich i think semi robin hood he stole from the rich but he didn't get around to giving it to the poor not quite no <laughs> But, no, but they were they were sort of a celebrity status. Um, yeah. Uh, um, because of, I mean, I've always wondered how much were, were outside the depression, how, were, was there a, a a marked decrease in the amount of bank robbers, or are they highlighted as being particularly special because, during the depression? And and the depression is the excuse. Well, it's but it's very poor. Everyone, you know, it was almost like they had no choice. This is what they did. Or these people just pretty vile people and and would have robbed banks no matter what. Well, I think it's actually a bit serendipitous because you okay, you have the Great Depression. I think you get the rise of newsreels, which is actually shown in the movie where they go to the pictures to the theater to watch yeah. the news, and so you're getting that rise of mass media. And then you've got this, I I don't know about you, I've always found going into a bank and robbing a a big multinational corporate entity quite romantic. (laughs) Yes. And I'm not talking about shooting, you know, the poor old Mm. bank teller or the, Mm. or even, Mm. you know, the, or the customer. But just the whole general, you know. It's the, it's the courage and the, and the, and the, just the complete outside the norm. I don't know. Yeah, you may, it may be right. That's why maybe we get a thrill every time we see a bank robbery in a film. At heist um, movies are just yeah. wonderful, aren't they? Oh, they're just brilliant. You know, uh, Oliver Stone actually took that that idea even further in his film Natural Born Killers, where they're sort of revered and become media sensations, these serial killers. And it's kind of like maybe not really a very, it's, it's a very old concept. And as you can see from these guys, they were, I mean, Bonnie and Clyde, I think, were the same, you know, had that same kind of celebrity status about them. In fact, there's a, I think we'll get to it with Bonnie and Clyde, but I think a bunch of fans, you know, gather around a car to (laughs) want autographs and photographs. Well, I think Um, it helps if you, you know, if you look at pictures of the, of Dillinger, I mean, he's, hmm. he's a good looking guy. Yeah. And he was only 31, 32 as well. So he's young. Exactly. Um, Yeah. Well, I suppose um, you're a bit older. Uh, you, you, people grew up quicker in those days. But, yeah, that's true. And this is just speaking about the performances. I mean, there mm. are plenty. It's a really is. I think it's. It, does this count as an ensemble cast for you, Tim? Because <laughs> I think in in some ways it does because there's the gang, 
uh, you know, that, that involve, um, for example, one of my favorite character actors around today, who's Australian, Jason Clark. He is great. He was, I think we probably mentioned him in Oppenheimer. He's in, he's in a lot of character led films. He's in Zero Dark Thirty, a Catherine Bigelow film, which is actually quite good with Jessica Chastain. He's all, he tends to play Americans, except there's also a great film, an ensemble film called Everest, about the climb to Everest, where he plays a New Zealander. And he's, he's one of the gang. Along with Stephen he Graham, plays, so he just just to interrupt you there, Tim. Mm. He plays John Hamilton, Red Hamilton. Yeah, Red Hamilton. He was Dillinger's mm. best friend. We've got Stephen Graham, who is now is made, making a name for himself playing mafioso Italian American criminals, who plays Babyface Nelson, and David Wenham, who's a New Zealander. I think he was in Lord of the Rings. He plays Harry Pierpont. Really he played good. Sean um, Bean's brother in Lord of the Rings. Exactly. Uh, Faramir. And I just had to he, mention Sean Bean. Yes, we always mention him if you can. Uh, and Stephen Dorff, who, who's, I think, a really good character actor as well, who's in this. Uh, yeah, I think it is. It could be a, an ensemble at, at a lot of points of the film. I mean, there's a lot of concentration, obviously, on on Dillinger and his relationship with his with um, Marion Cotillard. And Giovanni Rabisi pops up, who I think is a great character actor. A lot of people will know him as Phoebe's brother and friends. But he's a great actor. He's a great straight character actor. Yeah, he plays the the medic in Saving yeah. Ryan. One of the best death scenes in that. Film. He does it so well. I mean, yeah. he does it so well. He's brilliant. Bill Camp. Now, this is, film was made in two thousand and nine. Bill Camp's. You see a lot more of him now. He's he's a great character actor. Uh huh. Uh, oh, and there's another. There's a very brief early role from Channing Tatum. Yes. That's- uh, Pretty Boy Floyd. Yeah, Pretty Boy Floyd, who who there's a great chase through a, a orchard that uh, Christian Bale's on, on his heels. And Billy Cudrup plays J. Edgar Hoover, who's very good. So it's actually, it's, it's got a really good kind of ca- character cast, I think. Indeed. So, But th- this is really a Johnny Depp film. Yes. I mean, of course. I mean, he he sold the film. He's, yeah, brilliant. he's brilliant. He's brilliant in it. And- we were talking actually before where that this was one of his last roles where he didn't play somewhat it, like a, you know just flamboyant crazy nuts cartoonish with a with a strange voice i thought he you know jack sparrow is brilliant it was it was a unique character but his his wonka his his alice through the looking you know all of these kind of crazy characters that he played now he's they sort of disappeared slightly hasn't he because of all his personal troubles but um i think he's been cancelled he was in a french film oh yes yes he was uh, directed by the the lead woman who's in the film. The name escapes me. But this was a really good performance, actually. It was kind of straight. He's somewhat terrifying at times, but very likable. He's charming, which I guess is what exactly what we were talking about. You know, what you need, what Dillinger probably was to to gain this kind of public public persona. Yeah, and it, it's almost like a, a joyride through the film for his character. It's all very, he starts singing to his hostage in the car. I remember when he takes that woman, very charming. Michael Mann is the master of heist movies, isn't he? After Heat and this. Yeah, I guess no? so. No? <laughs> no? Okay. Uh, he's, he's done a couple of good heist films. You're filming a heist movie now, aren't you? Is it a heist uh, movie? It, it's not really a heist movie, no. It's a, it's a crime film. Okay. Unfortunately, there's no actual heist in the film. Okay, okay. Christian Bale, mm. who we haven't 
really mentioned that much yet. It's cops and robbers. So he's he's chasing Dillinger. And this he's is the, the he's the Al Pacino to to Johnny Depp's De Niro in this. Yes. So Bale, he brings that usual inten- intensity to the role, doesn't he? He he was established. He'd done American Psycho. Um, oh, he's done Batman as well. Yes, he had. That's true. He'd done Batman. I want to say, though, that this was, you know, he's a supporting character in this more than than a lead. Yeah, if you so, look at the poster, it's got Johnny Depp all over it. Yeah. And I, so I wouldn't say that that um, his character, Purvis, is fully, fully rounded. Like, like for example, if you were to if you were to use the De Niro Pacino comparison in Heat, that's very much a film about the two sides of the same coin. You know, they're opposites, but they have a lot of similarities. It's a very big sort of a character study. This doesn't have that depth to it, I don't think, in terms of the, that comparison. So it's not, you know, we're not following Bale's character really as much. No, no, you don't his... see his personal life. He doesn't go home and rip a telly off the, uh, out of the kitchen and throw it onto uh, the bus. Exactly. Or, or kick it out of the car. In, in the street so it's very much more depth's bio but he's good i mean bale's solid and very very you can see very determined uh you know steadfast uh determination to find this guy have one scene together i think is that actual one dialogue scene where depth's behind bars it's kind of taunting him saying oh i'm gonna get out and he's like oh really <laughs> which is it's nice to see them together i mean it's it's but it is very much you know on the on the hunt is that the only time uh, they've acted together I think so. Yeah. It's almost like passing a baton then in a way. Because Johnny Depp is just brilliant. I mean, mm. he's done so many brilliant performances yes, in the has. 90s. Yeah, amazing. I think for you and I, at our age group, late 40s, mm. for us, I, I would say Johnny Depp in the in the 90s. I, I've always found mm. him more more of a... Um, I was more interested in him than someone's... like. Tom Hanks, who got a lot of accolades, but Tom Hanks is yes. Tom, he's Hanks. not. I wouldn't say Tom Hanks is cool. No, but Tom Hanks is just endlessly likable. He's the everyman. You know, he's like he's so watchable that that you know it's. I mean, it'd be nice. Apart from I don't know if you've seen Cloud Atlas, which is a film where the actors in it play multiple characters in different time periods. That's probably the only time I've seen Tom Hanks play an absolute bastard like a horrible character, but it's not something you see. Whereas Depp is, you know, he can he can do Benny and June, which is an, such an amazing, loving, lovable character. <laughs> and then he can do this, he can do Donny Brasco, and then he, he'll do Jack Sparrow. My favourite hmm. Johnny Depp film is Dead Man. Dead Man is really good, yeah. Jim Jarmusch movie. Jim Jarmusch, the black and white. Kind of Western type thing. Yeah, yeah it's great. It's sort of near where he plays William Blake. He's confused with the poet. It's a wonderful film. And then mm-hmm. he's very good in Ed Wood. Which is my personal favourite Tim Burton film. Um, What's he in Gilbert Gray? I can see why it is, actually. Um, What's he in Gilbert Gray? You know, it's something as crazy as Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. He's he's just wild. And I mean, he's unpred- he, he, he obviously wants to stretch himself and, and think outside the box. And he always has. You know, he's never become the, the, the leading man star, pure just a star. You know, he's he's tried to veer himself into character acting, which is commendable. He could have been a star, couldn't he? There was a period yeah, in the 90s. Of 
Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's testament for someone who I think at the read through of Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, he just did what he did. And the producers were kind of like, what are you doing? You can't. What are you doing? And, you know, he kind of proved everyone wrong. But I've only seen the first one and he's by far the best thing about it. Absolutely. I mean, without him, it would have been just a bit mediocre. He's very good in this. He's, as I was saying earlier, he borders on kind of terrifying but charming. You know, even when he confronts Marion Cotillard, the coat check, and says, basically, you're, you're coming with me. And she's like, well, I don't know you. And then the guy, the, the other guy turns up and he's like, can you get my coat? And he's and you're like, oh, oh, <laughs> he's really good. I was going to say, it's not the sort of film that does particularly well these days, though. Tommy Guns in the 30s, these kind of 30s gangster films don't really do. Or it's not that they necessarily don't do well. It's just that they're not made very often. Yeah. So, yeah, it is a shame. And I'm wondering whether... I mean, I'm not totally sure. We'll get on to how it did. We can get on to it now. We can do it now. It cost $100 million to make. Mm. And it made globally $214 million. Yeah, so it's not bad. <laughs> I, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, I think Johnny Depp is a key ingredient there. Yeah. And Marion Cotillard. And, you know, and, probably, those... and Marion Cotillard, she's fantastic. Yeah, it? it's a good example of maybe how it, it could work. I'm just not sure that a film like this with a, a lesser known cast would necessarily do particularly well. Yeah, um, it helped having Batman in it. Yes, that's very true. So Jack Sparrow and Batman, basically. But, and... also, but I think, you know, um, we've mentioned Marion Cotillard, mm. but she, I think she had just played Edith Piaf. And, and won an Oscar for it. Yeah. And w- which I don't know if any listeners have seen this, but I highly recommend yeah, it. It's really great. It's so really good film. Yeah, she's quite wonderful in it. And, and it's, it's, it, I think this is pretty historically accurate, as far as I can tell. I think there well, are certain things that, that, that they miss. Um, you know, they need to condense stuff, uh, which I think is pretty reasonable. But, but if, you, clear... if you see, a, if you have a picture, if you look at a picture of, of the three main mm. cast members and then the people that they're playing, they yeah. don't, they look actually quite similar. Mm-hmm. So it's, it is very well, it's obviously cast with that in mind. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I think Dillinger definitely, there's a resemblance with Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp described mm. during the um, research, he, he looked into his family history and he says, I mean, you never know quite what to believe with Johnny Depp because he's famously, he he traces um, Native American ancestry. So that's obviously very important to him. But he did mention that his grandfather or his great grandfather had had a difficult life in the early thirties and, and had been convicted of a crime or an uncle had been convicted of a crime. So he definitely felt that kind of, I, I don't, I, I don't know if it was a, a rage or something, but a mo- it's at least a motivating factor behind these, yeah. these robbers. Yeah. Um, so Johnny Depp was obviously really into this kind of job. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. I was just thinking, actually, talking about historically, actually, there there was a bit of trivia that I found out that the, the shootout at the lodge when you're watching the film you could go oh 
Is this is this true? Yeah, it because looks like a set. Get, it does. And but the thing is, is that you go, oh, he gets away. Oh, that's you know, in real life, maybe uh, it, no matter how iconic Dillinger is in the public persona, he surely uh, have they taken license because he could have died in that. I mean, it, 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 everyone should have. Died. It's a crazy shootout, but of course he didn't. He got away. But what they found out apparently when they were shooting it was that the date that the shootout took place was the same date they were shooting the actual scene. And I'm not sure that was deliberate. Well, it, it wasn't deliberate because no, yeah, it was actually, scheduling yeah. is a nightmare. So that's very historically accurate. <laughs> Talking about sets, you know, I, I have one thing, just going into the technical side of the film, there's one thing that slightly bothers me about it, that it's an artistic choice that, that Michael Mann made, is that it's, I think it's his first film that he shot digitally. But, I was going to ask you about this. So hmm. I, it, it's, it looks like a sort of TV movie. Yeah, I was about to say, there are certain shots more than others, but... Uh, but I'm, I don't mean the shots that he's taking. I mean the entire picture, colour. Yeah, the texture yes. looks a bit TV sometimes, in, but very much in that shootout. It's like, it, the to the point where I was like, oh, are there some shots they've done with an iPhone? It, it, it's kind of... Yeah, and I don't know why, because it's it's period, and of all the things in the all the films maybe in the world you'd want to look beautifully cinematic is something in the thirties. Whereas I don't know, I'm not sure about whether I like it or not. I watched this just you know the weekend before we're recording now, so I watched it, and this I think this would be the third or the fourth time I've seen it. Yeah, and it's doesn't bother me now but when i first watched mm. it it gives it a kind of cheap look yeah i agree which and if the thing it cost is... 100 million to make yes what well let's be honest 25 of that probably depth salary uh <laughs> 15 or so is probably christian bales marion cotillard probably got about you know 10 or something really um, she should get so she's just won best actress oscar and she's not yes, on the but, same but it, as the men. It, but it, here we go. This is another. This is a different conversation <laughs> that that I'm on board with you. It's crazy, but uh, I guess you know she doesn't have as much screen time as Depp, and she doesn't bet... have the box office under her, uh, box office earnings under her belt. That um, well, yeah, I know. Maybe it's just, uh... but it's proportionally, not... she should be paid. You know, yeah, she should be. She should be. She's I think. Top, I think she's billed above the the title, as far as I can. I've got the DVD actually here, but um... I think I'm agreed with you, of course. So I think we both. Well, she, she's on equal billing with mm. Christian Bale. Okay, right. So they should get the same. Yeah. Now, recently, I heard a complaint about. I think it. Who was it? It was someone complaining that yes, mm. it was Samantha Morton complained mm -hmm. about Minority Report. Now, if you remember right. Minority Report, mm -hmm. sci-fi film, she spends most of the film in a bath, yeah. looking uh, looking up at a ceiling and, and predicting the, the future. Yeah, so she's not got a big role, mm. and and she is. Uh, she, uh, I was reading an interview at the weekend where she complained that she didn't get the same salary as mm -hmm. Colin Farrell in that film. Now that that film was made in I think 2005, mm. 04, yeah. I'd say Sp uh, Spielberg, 
by then, Colin Farrell had had a number of starring roles in Hollywood. Uh, had he? SWAT, SWAT Tigerland. Uh, yeah, but they weren't. Phone Booth. These but films made done... a lot of money. I know, but had he done Phone Booth? I don't. Yes, yeah, he had. But Minority Report was very early in his career, wasn't it? Okay. If you want but but, but the thing is, is that Tigerland, yes, he was the lead. But was that, that a massive? That's what made him big. Because and I thought... Phone booth cemented it. Right, okay. So, and The Recruit, not forgetting The Recruit. Okay, so 2001... Which came after Minority Report, though. Two, two, so he did Tigerland mm -hmm. in 2000. Mm -hmm. American Outlaws, 2001. Hearts War, 2002. Then he did Phone Booth, Recruit, SWAT in 2003. And so he's got all those und plus Daredevil... Then, in the in between those, he does Minority Report. Well, so he... Minority Report, I think, was done before Phone Booth. He actually did it for like that was his first massive film. Filming <laughs> Colin Farrell filmography. So Minority Report came. It doesn't have the list of his fucking. I've so... got on IMDb. Yeah, I prefer Wikipedia because it gives you details. But anyway, regard. Oh, yeah, fair enough. Okay, we'll just cancel all that. We'll just yeah, remove the whole thing. Yeah. Well, are we going to talk about, are you going to talk about Samantha Morton or is it, forget it? No, because it's irrelevant now. Oh, okay, forget it. Although I Where... still think he was a bigger star by then than her. Well, yeah, but that absolutely, he was, but the thing is, is I don't think average Joe, when they were watching Minority Report, would go, oh, that's the guy from Tigerland. I don't think anyone really saw Tigerland that much. Um, that's why when I remember vividly when Minority Report came out and that and Colin Farrell was in it, I was like, who's that? Firstly, really? who's that? Yeah. And secondly, oh, I knew exactly like, who it was. Really? Um, yeah. And he just it was like, oh, my God, he got that film with Steven Spielberg plays the antagonist at that age. But the thing is, Samantha Morton did have a lot more to do when he's Cruz takes her out and go and takes well, her. We carried him. Yeah, but then she's, you know, like, she's doing a bit of acting. I mean, she was she? quite good. I think she was quite good. Mm. She's a bit... She, I think she's a bit overrated. I know she's, she's just been given a BAFTA for Lifetime Achievement. I agree, she is a bit overrated. She's a bit weird. Yeah, um, I think that helps. If you've but got she grew up in a care home. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, now, don't I sound like the bastard? Yeah. <laughs> she's like, you know, come on. <laughs> Anyway, where were we before all of this? Oh, okay. uh, before my Samantha Morton-based hate yeah. rant. Uh, uh, Marion Cotillard's sal salary. So we talked about that. Um, right. So should we get on to our categories? Yeah. Have we talked enough about the historical stuff? Well, no, because there are a number of problems with it historically. For example, mm -hmm. the beginning of the movie, you get this shootout, which didn't happen. It, when he's taken out of jail. Yes. Oh, that didn't he happen. Returns, he returns to release his, his buddies, one of whom dies in his arms being dragged from a... Car. James Russo. Never forget James Russo, great guy. But mm -hmm. Beverly Hills Cop. Mm -hmm. Donnie Brasco. Yeah, brilliant actor. Open Range plays the marshal in Kevin Costner's Western. Brilliant performance. So he dies in Johnny Depp's arms, and it's very upsetting for Dillinger, but that guy actually spent the rest of his life in prison and died in the 1970s. Yes, a bit of license there, um, but it's a good opening. 
And then at the end of the film, the other emotional point, which really got me uh, so much so that I, I cried. Right. When at the end of the film, so I don't think this is a spoiler. The film's been out. John Dillinger, it was always going to end in his death, really. Mm-hmm. And we can we should talk a bit about uh, the FBI's flagrant disregard of due process in the judicial process. Yeah. But anyway, um, Dillinger is effectively executed, leaving a, a movie theater, having just seen the Clark Gable film Manhattan Melodrama, a crime film starring Clark Gable. He's just left the theater watching that, having been affected by it. Anyway, he's he's then brutally gunned down. And as he's dying, the FBI agent who shot him leans down and listens to what he's whispering. And and, and what they do get right is where he was shot and all that and the number of yes, times he was shot. that's all accurate. And then he whispers his last dying words and the FBI agent lies to Melvin Purvis, played by Christian Bale, says, oh, I didn't catch what he said, but he did. And he returns to prison where Marion Cotillard is imprisoned. And he says, I've come to tell you something. And he says that that John Indiligent's last words were "Bye bye, Blackbird." Very upsetting. I I had tears coming down. <laughs> I did. I did. Uh, who's the FBI played by Stephen Lang? Love uh, Stephen who's, Lang. Who's great? Yeah. It, it's it. Wh- whether that happened or not, we don't know. It didn't happen. No. Didn't. Of course not. But you know, it's it's. Uh, so it's the two. Um, but the, mm. my point being, the two rather emotional parts of the film, the beginning and the end, mm. where they kind of get you emotionally, mm. you know, it shows Dillinger has has feelings. It's not a ruthless bank robber. It turns out that didn't actually happen. Yeah, it's a shame. The the But, you know, you need a bit of... Of course you do, but stuff. I bet you there are times... Uh, I don't know. This is where it's always <laughs> difficult. But I bet you there are times in his life where he did show true emotion that, you know... But well, again, you'd, it's you'd a story arc. It's how the filmmakers have to mm. do it. It's not a documentary. Well, well, the the interesting thing is, like talking about now, going back to the his death. You know, it, there was no attempt at capturing him. You know, it was just kill him on, as soon as he comes out. Yeah, you get you get a lot of this in. You know, I think Pretty Boy Floyd and I mean, so, and and a great parallel between this and Bonnie and Clyde, of course. Yeah, where they, I, it was almost the authorities were like, oh, you know, screw this, just. You know, well, this has been going on for too long. Well, just a little bit of historical context is that mm. before, this is before the establishment of a federal mm. judicial yeah. system. It, well, the the Hoover was kind of on the rise, wasn't he? With with it wasn't even called no. the FBI then. No, and and they didn't have cross state authority. And it's interesting because you get the mafia involvement played by Frank Nitti, played by mm-hmm. Bill Camp. And, uh, Bill Camp, yes, love Bill Camp. And Frank Nitti. Uh, he's played very accurately in this Uh, sharp-eared listeners Mm. may recognize the name frank nitty from the film untouchables brian de palma where frank nitty is the right-hand man to al capone who is thrown off a building by uh, elliot ness played by kevin costner he plays a sort of different type of frank nitty like a really evil evil frank (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I, I don't think the Frank Nitti of this film of Public Enemies is a yeah. is a nice guy. No, he, no, I, I just... he plays a more accurate role in that he's a big boss. I think he took over Al Capone's organization whilst Capone was in prison for income tax evasion. And Bill Camp is explaining to this sort of lower down capo in the mafia that all these bank robberies are meaning that we're going to come under pressure from organize an organized federal police force i.e the fbi mm. so we've got to stop helping them and that's very accurate and really well done so this is like so pre-fbi but but the fact that they you know that they, they pl their plan was not to capture him at, you know it was it was it's almost like they've become sick of it yeah um, it was it was all a bit tedious all this police work let's just shoot it <laughs> yeah well exactly same could be said with bonnie and clyde because they knew exactly where they were going to be Yes. If you look at all the characters that were part of Dillinger's gang, I think they all, part of one, are, mm. are killed. I think by all accounts, Babyface Nelson was a psychopath. And how much do you really want them to get him in this film? I mean, I like Stephen Graham, but, you know, he uh, it's, he's the only character really in the film where I'm like, just please get him. Please yeah. just shoot him. But it adds to the romanticism. If Dillinger had then been put away for 30 years, it's not quite a... It's better to go out. Guns and, blazing. I mean, this is what yeah. is depicted in the film where he's he's watching Manhattan melodrama. And Clark mm. Gable pretty much says this in the film, you know, better yeah. to have lived your life. And and, yeah. and Depp looks at the screen and he sort of smiles to himself. Mm. Yeah, so I think I think there was a certain fatalism behind it for mm. the bank robbers. The complete opposite of the way of what when Johnny Depp plays Whitey Bulger in Black Mass you know, who lives to whatever, at nine, however old he was, and then is killed in prison, went horribly killed in prison, actually. But um, And he, and, and Whitey Bulger, slipped away from the mafia scene in Boston and went to live in California. Yeah, it was for eight, for like, for years. He was found, I think he was taking out the rubbish. Santa, and Santa Monica, yeah. Yeah. On the FBI's Most Wanted. Yeah, I, I quite like that film. And the Depp, actually, interesting performance, except he's doing a little bit of, you know, performing behind the character but yeah it's, it's another discussion yeah i mean but, he's done that blow he's very good in blow as well um, Penelope. similar kind of role right okay so let's do our scenes the best okay. we'll start off with as a pruder award for best scene well I, I mean i had a few but i i loved the scene where he escaped from prison using the fake gun gun yeah which is true he did carve yeah, the fake so that's very good. And in fact, I think I was doing a bit of research into it. Michael Mann said he actually, he managed to kidnap a lot more policemen than he did in, in the scene. But it just looked so unbelievable that they actually toned back the, the reality. <laughs> right, right. Which I think, you know, well well done, Michael mm. Mann. But, so there's that scene. I think the bank, the bank robbery scene when he's first escaped from prison after the first escape he robs the bank with his sort of trusted lieutenants jumps up and he i think repeats the line or close to the line you see in heat which is we're after the bank's money not yours yeah, not yours don't be a hero i have another a, a scene that's not actually with johnny depp in the scene which is well when, me too okay uh which is when bale goes and meets Babyface for the first time where he's eating and he's like, I'm a shoe salesman. And you're like, uh, this is a bit dodge. <laughs> and then he goes out and then Babyface Nelson kind of comes out and shoots the cop. And then yeah, there's, you know, he, he races. Like, it's a really tense scene. 
Yeah, a lot of tension there. Very good. Uh, I think I cried, so I'm going to have to mention the final scene with Stephen okay. Lang, or the, the where he repeats the last words of mm. Dillinger, "Bye, bye, Blackbird." Okay, she's really good in it. The woman she played. I'll actually go for for also at the scene where he goes to the coat check and says, "You're with me," and the guy comes and is like an impatient and says, "Get my coat." And yeah, that's. I, very... I think it's actually quite a good scene. I mean the. Uh... Billy Frechette, who was the real life girlfriend of Johnny Depp, she was part Native American and, and returned mm. to reservation and 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 lived out her days there, having served, I think, three years in prison for helping. He had this, I think he did have this charm that meant people helped him. Which Yes, I, understandable. I don't think you could say that about um babyface Nelson. No. Who makes an appearance in the Cohen brothers, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Oh, yes, he does indeed. That's so true. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so what are we going to go for best scene? I think if I had to, if gun, gun to a Dillinger, uh, Tommy gun to my head, I would say Marion Cotillard and Stephen Lang scene at the end. Okay. That's a very short scene, but yes, okay. What, you would agree with that? Perfectly reasonable. Okay. Willing to agree. Right, next is the big one, the performance, the best performance. What are our <laughs> nominations? Well, it'd be weird not to nominate Johnny Depp. The Simon Baker Award for best Simon Baker Award. I've got to go, go with, on. it's either him or Marion Cotillard. Yeah, she's lo- she's really good in I, it. I think the thing is, because I love I love Johnny Depp, and he is so good in this, but she, I've, I've got a thing for Marion Cotillard, mm-hmm. so I'm going to go with oh. her. Oh, okay. We'll make our first Re- ever female winner of yeah. the best. Regardless of performance, you're going because it's... No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that she's fantastic <laughs> in it. Yeah. Well, there no, is a period where she's actually not in the film because mm. she's been arrested by the FBI and they treat her very badly. Yes, she's very good in those scenes. She's so good in those scenes. Yeah, I agree. Okay, let's go with Marion Cotillard. Exactly. That's that's what won the award for me when she's being tortured mm. effectively mm. by the FBI. Yeah. yeah, horrible. We forgot to mention that uh, another an actress that makes an appearance, a very small cameo role, is Carrie Mulligan. Yes, she does. She was very uh, not, not well known at that stage. I don't. I think it was early. Very well, yeah. sort of. I guess had okay. she done an education? I think maybe I can't remember the year. But but yes. Uh, so Marion Cotillard. Okay, and then next we got the Argo Award for most inaccurate scene. Well, both the beginning and your favorite scene. Yeah, and then also <laughs> uh, the other scene I we just talked about the torture scene. She wasn't mm. actually tortured, however, mm. the FBI did behave very badly, and there were right. other other uh, detainees or people in custody who recounted uh, acts yeah. of torture. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the actual event, I mean, the opening is blatant. Then, yeah, if, if I think the only say. scene, whilst thrilling as it is, and involves mm. lots of machine gun fire, no one was killed in the uh, in the breakout. Mm. And the man who, the prisoner who is killed, played by James Russo, died, I wouldn't say happily mm. ever after. He was in prison, yeah. but died peacefully. Uh, so we'll go with the opening scene. Okay. Next, we got the Gary Oldman Award for Best Supporting Performance. So the nominations are... Christian Bale, Stephen Graham, Jason Clark. Yes, and then tricky. and then, but then one actor who I think is really really good is Ranka Katic, who's a Serbian actress, and she plays the brothel owner who betrays Dillinger to the FBI, and she's very good in it as well. Oh yes, 
She is very good, actually. That's tricky. I think Christian Bale, see, I'm not going to go with Christian Bale because it's a little bit of a... <sighs> it's just not, doesn't stretch him. No. He's very good, his accent, but occasionally it feels a little... I've said with all due... I think it's, I love Christian Bale. I think he's very good, but it, it's a little bit monotone sometimes. Just a bit on the same cadence, kind of same note. A, l- um, a late shout out for Billy Crudup as... I think a Brit Billy Crudup should be definitely in there because he's 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 a really good actor. I don't know if he's doing a full on imitation of Hoover, but he's very he gets the essence of Hoover. I think quite yeah yeah quite well yeah. I mean, um, he, Hoover. There's there's a very good scene in, in the Senate hearing where the senator embarrasses Hoover by asking if he's ever arrested someone. Yeah, it's a really good scene. Now Hoover was embarrassed by the fact that he had never arrested mm. someone. So mm. much so that he asked to be taken to a operation where they were going to arrest their perpetrator. And he appeared last minute to enact the arrest just so he could then later say, yeah, I yeah. arrested someone. <laughs> um, so this sort of staged arrest yeah. does highlight the ego and... and yeah. Hoover, amazing. He was in charge of the FBI for so long. Extraordinary, really. He's in charge of of the FBI for uh, thirty seven years. Yeah, it's crazy. And then, and then, oh, sorry, no, no, forty eight years if you include I... the predecessor of the uh, right. FBI, which is ex- just crazy. He had a lot of dirt on a lot of people. I'm vaguely veering towards Stephen Graham because actually it's quite a prominent performance, and and. And he dominates. Role. He done. Yeah. yeah, and he dominates. That I mean, he he he's. It's such a colourful character that you kind of don't forget it. Yeah. Okay. We'll go with. Uh, yeah, he's brilliant in it. He really mm. is. So so Stephen Graham. Right. And then so that just leaves our legacy rating. What's the legacy of Public Enemies? Interesting, because it's out of Michael Mann's body of work. It's not one that crops up in. I think in the in the for people. I mean, no heat. Oh, everyone's like, heat, 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 heat. It's the sort of film where people go, oh, yeah, I forgot about that one, actually. That, that, yeah, I remember seeing it when it first came out. I haven't seen it since, type thing. You know, um, one thing that we haven't mentioned as well, hmm. though, the writer, one of the co-writers is Ronan mm-hmm. Bennett. Now, Ronan Bennett mm-hmm. is an Irish writer. Interesting to start with. He also wrote Top Boy, which is on Netflix, which is doing really, really well. It's been described as the British Wire, The Wire. I, I have a, a family member who is raving about it. I mean, The Wire is much better than Top Boy. The Wire's like the, up there with The Sopranos, so it's difficult for Top Boy to reach that, but it is brilliant. So well done, Ronan Bennett. For That's that. excellent. But having written this as well, it's quite impressive. Yeah, co co-written with Michael Mann and and yeah. so legacy. When people ask, do, uh, you know, Dillinger in film, there's there's the film Dillinger, which is a good film, which was made years ago. But do people immediately remember Public Enemies as a, a prominent film that deals historic that is based in history, but but I don't know has a has a lasting. I think it's pretty low down, I'm afraid. I mean, it did, made a lot of money and it and it's got a great cast and it's done very well, but it mm. hasn't. It didn't get any awards, not nominated mm. for anything. No. Best picture winner that year was The Hurt Locker, 
I'm not sure the Hurt Locker's that great. I think maybe it's American it's guilt over the Iraq War, which is well, that, why that one. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a it's a it's a well crafted film. But I remember thinking that year that year was crazy actually. A- because, Avatar. Yeah, other but, nomination. District Nine, very good. An education. There's a major one. Inglorious. There Bastards. are two major ones actually. Inglorious Bastards, in my opinion. It was bizarre, should have won Best Screenplay, and The Hurt Locker won. I mean, Best Screenplay, The Hurt Locker. You know, no, I don't think so. Inglorious Bastards should have won Best Screenplay. It should have. It's one of Tarantino's. Um, I mean, Tarantino's not made a bad film, but... It was a, a little strange. So, uh, Public Enemies. Yes, I don't think it's very high. I think we'll have to give it two out of five. Okay, two out of five. I think that's it. That's it. Public Enemies. So, coming up next in two days' time, it is Bonnie and Clyde. Tim? Thanks a lot. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to Bonnie and Clyde.